0: Well, hello, my friends. How are you? Lots of pod... I know it's been like a week or so, but lots of podcasts coming. Lots of good podcasts. But welcome to the Brutally Honest Podcast. I'm your host, Harrison Barron. And thank you for tuning in to another episode. First of all, if you enjoy the episode... Actually, before you even enjoy the episode, I know you're going to love it. Smash that sub- subscribe button. while wow, I can't speak. Then, after that, tell one of your friends about it and rate it on iTunes. It is greatly, greatly appreciated. I hope you guys are all doing good. I hope everyone's off to a good 2018 and uh, has been sticking to their New Year's resolutions. With that being said, as always, go check out the website, com. And I'm sticking to my New New Year's resolution. I'm putting a lot more work into this, so you guys better get ready. So uh, check it out. You can get all the latest and greatest updates. And... The newsletter's coming out every Friday, regardless of whether or not there's a podcast. I know there wasn't a podcast last week. I'm still going to give you guys good information, I promise. That is the goal of the show, is to keep feeding you guys great information, knowledge. Anything that's going to help me get through my day and, and my life is what I want to directly pass on to you guys. That's why I do it. There's a lot that we can all learn together, and I live in technology. I'm constantly dealing with things that are going to help you be More successful, more productive throughout your day. Talk a lot about produ- product, uh, productivity today on the show. And uh, yeah, so just, uh, you know, I got two sponsors Read Resumes, um, ReadResumes.com. You know, Ron is a stellar guy. He runs Read Resumes, and he's going to provide you with a top notch, extremely high level resume. And why does that matter? Even if you're not looking for a job, one, it's a great way to get kind of a snapshot at where you are in life. Whether it's what you've accomplished till then, things that you've that things that you've succeeded in but kind of forgot about. It's a good way to just sit down and think, you know, where where am I at with everything. That's one. And two, if you are going for a job, even if you're not going for a job but you know that that thoughts on your mind, get it done. A rock solid resume written by an extremely high-level professional is going to unlock doors that you will never would have never had prior. So go check them out, readresumes.com, Ron Steller, and if you're looking for one, definitely definitely go check it out. You never know, you never know what could happen. And lastly, huge thank you to the nerds that care for providing uh, the sponsorship for another podcast. If you're looking for outsourced IT, if you're looking for a technology um expert these are the people that you go to when you need everything to be running smoothly when you're not sure on where you, where you need to go with technology when you're when you have employees in the office that are wasting valuable time in the office because of simple problems that can be fixed in minutes but it takes them hours that is time wasted you need to look at that it's so critically important go check them out nerds dot and that's pretty much it guys uh still have the Patreon up, you know, I'm still looking for my one or two sponsors. Um but uh yeah, appreciate the hell out of you guys for listening. I think you guys are gonna love this podcast. The uh I loved it a lot. Sal is a stellar dude loaded with knowledge and it's pretty unique what he does. And we break down some things and he actually crushes some of my uh prior beliefs with some rock solid knowledge, which I always like, love learning, and I always try oh I shouldn't say I always try. I try not to spread bad information. But information changes, and that's why I have this podcast to to have experts on to teach me. So without any further ado, please welcome my friend Salvatore Lesia. What's up, brother? How are you, man? Good. How are you? No complaints. Enjoying the
1: Non-freezing weather. Yes. Yes, and happy New Year. Happy New Year. Off Off to a. I always wonder how how late into the month or the New Year are you allowed to? Is that socially acceptable to be wishing people Happy New Year?
0: (laughs) It's funny you bring this up because I was thinking the other day. I'm like, I'm looking on Facebook. Everybody's got a Facebook, sure. And I'm like, I just. I feel bad wishing some people happy birthday at this point, and other people not. <laughs> right? Who I'm like, I'm like, oh, are you deserving of a happy birthday? And I get 1,800 friends on Facebook. Oh my god! So okay. literally every day, there's three, four, five birthdays at this point. <laughs> some days there's some some days there's twelve, thirteen births. I'm like, you can't possibly expect me to hit happy birthday for all these people, and and then I thought. I'm like, what if every time I see somebody, like if it's the first time I'm seeing them in a very long time, I say, hey, happy birthday, man, Mm. or hey, happy birthday, and then they're probably going to say, my birthday was months ago, I'm like, well, I haven't seen you since then, right? so happy belated, and then like a little icebreaker, and then I was like, people are going to think I'm really weird.
1: Yeah, that's a tough one, especially if you're not seeing people as as often as you would like, and especially having that kind of... uh uh, friends, uh, mm-hmm. I, I use the air quotes there and friends on yes. Facebook. And it, what yes, have you. acquaintance. It's, yes, like acquaintance it's, it's an acquaintance. And, it's an, and I probably wouldn't uh, be wishing this many people happy birthday, <laughs> just like you said, because I, it, it's a constant reminder every day you get reminded. I do try to stay on top of that, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Um, I think it's very rare that I miss a day, but I, I de- definitely don't have 1,800
0: people that I'm connected with. Dude, it's crazy. And here's the worst part about it all now it's Facebook. And LinkedIn, yes. And I'm like, come, it's it's Facebook, LinkedIn. Then it's your work anniversary on LinkedIn, right? You got God forbid you have two jobs or <laughs> three jobs, you're getting notifications every day, uh, yeah, multiple times. A like, day. come on.
1: <laughs> and I'm 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 actually uh, very into that sort of looking at what people are celebrating uh-huh, and stuff uh-huh. of that nature, and try to acknowledge it as much as I can. Uh, but to your point, it's getting kind of overwhelming at this stage. I mean, I'm it's seeing just people reminding of their anniversary. And I'm like, I thought I just sent something to them last week. Then I drive in, I, I drill in a little bit deeper. Mm. And I'm like, oh, this is their board membership for a non for profit that they're dealing with. Yeah. I'm like, ah, that's not really a work anniversary. You yeah, know it's I mean? not, so, yeah,
0: it's not really deserving. No. But how much time, the question is, how much time did you waste? Like, oh, is this legit? Like, didn't I just do this? And then you got to look and you're like, all right. And, and you, you want to engage. And it's just like, like the other day I hit my two-year anniversary, I guess, on LinkedIn for nerds. And, you know, I got like... Twenty messages from all these people. I'm like, yeah. oh, thanks. Like, hey, how's everything going? <laughs> I'm like, uh, it's just a work anniversary. Like, it's not even like a, a large milestone. It's not like five years, right? It's not like ten. Years. Like, I get it. Five, ten years. One year. One, five, ten. But I'm like, two. It's two years. Yeah. It's like, let's just pump the brakes a little bit. You know,
1: I I hear where you're going, and I kind of agree with that. I guess to a certain degree, we should limit these things to milestones, right? Because I crazy. wouldn't necessarily congratulate somebody on a two-year or three-year anniversary. I mean, maybe if it's your first job out of school, yeah. that is something that you know most people are not staying as long as they used to. Well, my yes. father stayed at the same company for forty years. Yeah, so that's unheard. Yeah, we're, of. Yeah, we're out of the of. Yeah, yeah,
0: we're out of the era where people are staying somewhere for no. for that period of time. It's it's crazy. It's, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing the quote-unquote old school mentality versus yeah. like the new school mentality. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was actually just having this conversation today. And the other, the other thing is, you know, especially people my age that are growing up in that, you know, kind of older school mindset, but then like you have this newer idea of, you know, take a risk like you're 25, you know, you're 22, you're 30, like you have no kids. Like if you have a girlfriend, great, do it now. Yeah. Like don't wait. And then it's like, You still have those, dude, lock down the secure job. You know, you need that security. And I'm like, for what? Like, as long as you're willing to learn, you're going to be extremely hireable. And I feel like now more than ever, people are looking for, like, that serious talent where that comes with years of experience. I mean, one of my buddies posted a job offering today online, you know, 10 years experience, 20 years experience, like, you know that's for a senior person right for sure like there's definitely a market for that and for anyone who thinks that there's not you know as long as you're ba- I feel like as long as you're bouncing around still just you know you got to be a sponge yeah. in the world we live in if you're not if you're not gonna be a civil servant a civil servant where and nothing against civil servants because that industry is changing too but you definitely have that job security and you're they're gonna provide you with that education you don't have to necessarily go out and really try to find it for yourself where you, you have to keep learning. You have to keep molding into this new, I don't want to say new person, but, you know, your industry, finance, yeah. it's constantly changing. There's yeah. always new law. I mean, the tax reform law. I know dozens of accountants that are freaking out about yeah. 2018. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know this law. I don't know how this is going to impact business. I don't know how to. The big thing is educating people on their finances. Correct. Which is exactly what you do. Yeah. So that's changing the entire game. Insane. You
1: know, it's funny only uh, to put it in a little bit more context. So, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm sort of that generational generation X. I forget what uh, categorize mm-hmm. uh, category I'm necessarily falling into. But my parents are the baby boomers and sort of, mm-hmm. you are I, mm-hmm. I think squarely in that millennial phase and what have you. We hear a lot about that <laughs> uh, um, uh, in the news and stuff of that nature. And when I look at sort of, you know, my my contemporaries, I think we were the first generation to a certain degree that said, hey, listen, those ideals of getting that first job or staying with that company out of sheer loyalty Mm -hmm. is not enough. Yeah. Right? It has to be challenging me, exactly what you just talked about. I always want to feel like I'm learning. I want to be able to get something out of this. This has to be a mutually beneficial relationship. And the days of my father, you know, grew up as an accountant and ultimately worked within the financial. Uh, components of a public company, you know, there was a certain level that you got to and then you kind of stayed there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas with myself, and I I know we uh, discussed it when we first got together, but I had a change of careers sort of halfway through. And so I'm constantly looking for ways that I can improve myself the service that we provide to the clients and stuff of that nature. And then I'm looking at it like how can I be of value to the next generation, so Mm -hmm. your generation, right, and saying to myself, okay, well, I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that if you're bouncing around from place to place that that should be a red flag. I don't necessarily no, agree with no.
0: that. Most, it, I'm talking to business owners. and am like, no, it's weird if you've been at a company for five, six, seven, eight years. Why have you been there so long? Right. Why didn't
1: you take any opportunities? How come you're not taking any risk
0: Yeah. Uh, inherently in that kind of stuff?
1: And so I look at it a little differently. And I think to a certain degree, and we, we talked a little bit about this, because of the way technology is, mm-hmm. right? So my, my, I keep harkening back to my father. You know, he went to the same office every single day. He had his desk. Yeah, for he his had, whole life. You know, for the most part probably didn't have a computer, and then got Mm -hmm. a computer. And I look at my day-to-day operation, just by way of example today. uh, I had plans to go into my office. I get there quarter to nine, and I notice that a lot of people are filing out of the building.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm like,
1: that's kind of unusual. I notice that there's a fire alarm going off. I thought it might be a drill or whatever the case may be. I waited another 10 or 15 minutes. Now I see fire trucks coming
0: down. And I'm like,
1: you know what? I'm just going to go work from home today. I mean, this yeah. is – why am I sitting here in the parking lot? I don't need to wait until the all clear gets wrong uh, gets for me to go into this building because yeah. I can conceivably work from anywhere. Yeah. And that for me was very liberating. Mm-hmm. You know, even in that small context to say, okay, you know what? It doesn't really matter where I physically am. As long as I have access through the technology and other things that we have, um, and I can have a phone and other types of Absolutely. things, where it doesn't matter where I am in the world, I can still service the clients. I can still interact with my my colleagues and my associates, and that was very liberating. I have to think that that my generation was the first to experience that mm-hmm. in this work life balance type of a thing. And you guys grew up that way, yeah. Right? Yeah, so it's you, almost natural. It's to, almost natural
0: to oh, you could work from home. I mean, there's still you know. As I'm getting older, too, there's still a lot of people that I've, I'm realizing, um, you know, they want somebody in the office for 40 hours a week, which still blows my mind. Yeah. Because I'm like, why? Like, why? You don't need to be in the office at this point, almost ever, unless you need to personally submit paperwork. Right. But like, other than that, there's really no need to be in the office. 90% of what you could do is you could either be done remotely or in, in somebody's cloud.
1: Yeah. And I, I I actually am very much looking forward to that as that becomes more of the norm mm-hmm. as we continue down this path because quite frankly it does give you that that flexibility. Yeah. Um I have a ten year old son, so mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, certain days if he's sick and my wife has a full time job as well, we can sort of share that responsibility. And as long as I have access, like I said before, I can still do the same job, if not better, because mm-hmm. I'm able to be home with him and deal with what I have to do. Uh, on a day-to-day basis and it allows that relationship where when i was growing up my father yeah. was gone before i got up in the morning he came home six thirty, seven o'clock every of night course. we had that's like maybe was. an hour yeah was that's it, how it was
0: know? yeah it's definitely this whole transition between you know that old school and i don't want to say new school but this new mentality of you know it's not needed yeah and not only that but they they're starting to prove that it's not even effective. Is that right? Yeah, which is even which is the crazier part about it. You know, the amount of hours that somebody works when they work remotely is like, it's like one point two five times. It's like it comes out to be like twenty five to thirty percent increase More? in work. Wow. Yeah, because they're just like oh, I'm home. I'm relaxed. I'm not yes. like stressing out. You know, it, you know, I don't need to be in the office. I'm not being. Bo-. The big thing is coworkers. Okay. destroy your productivity level. I can see that because oh what's up man how was the, like, right today you know you walk in dude how was the game like the game was pretty good last night i don't know if you watched the football yeah, game yeah. but like you're talking about that i'm like i i could have just made five phone calls right. i could have literally been done with my entire day's worth of work in the two or three hours that we maybe i spent today talking about nonsense yeah and that's the craziest part is it's 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 coworkers. It's you're talking about all, and it, there's just no distractions at home. I'm sure there's always kids and stuff sure. like that. But you know, if the kids taken care of, like your kids gonna be in, like your kids in school, so yes. you have that whole day. You know, the likelihood of your wife being home right. is pretty slim if exactly. she goes to the office. And if she is home, she's working too. Correct. Like you're both just working and you're working home. You're relaxed. You know, oh, you know, I want to grab grab something to drink. Let me just go to my kitchen. It's right there. Okay, let me run back to work, and then you know you can hammer out your your yeah. tasks more efficiently and then you know your kid doesn't need to get picked up from school no. you go pick them yeah you go yeah. pick them okay. up you know okay you know if it gets done in 20 minutes a half hour you know i'm still going to give it back to the company oh you know let me just finish this i don't have to worry about the snowstorm coming in right well you know i don't want to leave when it's dark out like you're home already yeah like you don't true. need to have like that's not a thing anymore
1: <laughs> i'm hoping that that becomes more of the norm because i think to a certain degree and, and to your point uh, even the the elimination of the commuting will will make you much more effective. I have friends of mine that are still commuting into the city every single day. I refuse. An hour and a half, two hours each way. Mm-hmm. I'm saying to myself, okay, in that period of time, so that's four hours, conceivably three to four hours a day that I'm actually it's, at my office. It's four hours from here. Yes. I mean, that's insane. Yep. And, and, you know, if you look at it from a monetary perspective, I don't think they're getting
0: paid that much more. That's what I, people don't city. believe me. Yeah. I have blowout arguments over this. I'm like, all right, so great. You're making $75,000 a year. But you're working, you know, what is it? From where I am, it's 20 hours, bare minimum. Right. That's not including from Penn Station or wherever you have to go. That's just from Bayport to the train, train to Penn Station. So... You know, you want to do simple math, we'll call it 20 hours. You're right. working 60 hours a week. Right. 40 of which you're getting paid for. Yeah, 40 yeah, of which, 40, yeah. So, free. like, do the math. How much are you actually really making? You're right. just working, you know, let's just call it overtime. Like, Correct. you're just working overtime. Yep. That's the only thing you're being compensated on. Now, if you live, you know, in much deeper in Nassau County where it's a half-hour trade ride, all right, you know, that's, that's reasonable. Yeah. But – all these people, oh, you know, I got this great job in city. Great. How much money are you making? You know, oh, I'm making $75,000. i am making 80000 Right. I'm like, dude, you're not making much more money than, you know, most people out here. Like, what do you mean? I'm making, like, double. I'm like, you're – or like, oh, I'm making, like, you know, 40 or 50 percent more. I go, you're working 40 or 50 percent more than I am. Right. And, and tack on the commuting costs. Forget about the time? The time
1: that you're not getting paid for, then the cost of actually getting back and forth. Yeah, the
0: train is $400 a month. I'm I'm
1: a big proponent of do the analysis. You know what I mean? How can people people make decisions? You're a finance guy. Right. This just makes makes sense. sense. It just makes sense to me. It just makes sense to me. me. Do the analysis, do the work, Mm -hmm. figure it out. How could you continue down this path when you don't even recognize? these types of issues that are yeah.
0: presented. It's it's very uh disconcerting. Yeah. You know? The the other thing that blows my mind too is is people's value of time is horrible. Mm. Is absolutely terrible. Like it's that old school mentality, you know, oh, I got to go to work. I got to do this. I got go to go I got to commute to New York City, you know. I got to do this. I got to do this. This is what I'm supposed to do. It's like why? Just yeah. because everybody's been doing that for X amount of years, you know, we didn't have cars and all of a sudden we had a car like that was totally different you right. know we, we're working on a hyperloop right now from elon musk you know hey that's totally different you know it's just the way the world is going to be something that comes up yeah i'm not i'm not a big
1: fan of status quo
0: no you, you know, can't you have, you, have, you have an artificial intelligence emailer <laughs> yes yeah that totally had james like he, james was like wow was girl's like super good at getting back to me with like extremely good detail and i was like james that's artificial intelligence and right. he was like no could he's be. like no way like there's no <laughs> way i'm like yeah he's like it took me a little while to figure it out but like i didn't really believe it until you like confirmed it. and uh, you showed me the website I'm like, oh my god this is like as real as it gets yeah you know it doesn't get any more concrete than that
1: yeah it's funny i i, I you know i love to talk about this stuff so i'm, I'm i try to be an early adopter of technology mm-hmm. i guess that's sort of uh, especially in the industry that I find myself now almost unheard of, you know. But, yeah. you know, when you look at time efficiencies, right, and I actually do this analysis, right, I told you about good, this. Good, is how yeah. I actually got turned on to this to begin with. So uh, it, it, this, this whole process was presented uh, to me through a friend of a friend mm-hmm. and talked a little bit about the idea of, hey, listen, you know, when you're scheduling appointments, when you're scheduling meetings and stuff of that nature, how do you go about it? Who's actually handling that for you? And so, in those particular circumstances, I said, Well, a lot of times it's me, and other times it could be my assistant. And so, when I started to do the analysis of, Hey, is that really a good use of my time, right? I still need to get these meetings. And of these course. meetings could be a multitude of different things. It could be scheduling a uh, portfolio review with a current client. It could be scheduling a uh, discovery meeting with a new client. It could be a multitude of different things. Absolutely. But what really started to get me very interested in the whole artificial intelligence was the fact that on a weekly basis, the computer will tell me effectively how much time she saved me. No. In regard to the uh, email ping pong. So every Monday, every Monday morning, I get an email mm-hmm. from Amy, Amy mm-hmm. Ingram, um, who is the computer, yeah. uh, artificial intelligence, that says to me that I booked the, these following meetings for you last week or I mm-hmm. worked on these types of meetings, whatever the case may be. And based upon my data and analysis, by me booking these meetings instead of you having to deal with it yourself, I saved you anywhere between two to five hours a week. Yeah, that's- so I say to people, if you had an extra hour a day, how much more efficient could you be? Mm-hmm. How much more effective could you be? And so I'm not a, uh, uh, one of these people that's afraid of robots or artificial intelligence no, you've got to embrace replacing it. us. Coming in, yeah. Because at the end of the day, could I be doing that schedule? And the answer is yes. But is that the most valuable use of my time? No. And my efficiency level has gone through the roof.
0: Oh, I believe it. So, it's, it's if been you're incredible. doing that, I'm curious to know what other what other technologies you're using to make your life easier. Yeah.
1: So, so I I try to do a lot of automation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about the automation. Yeah. Work. So, uh, so I have sort of a, a intricate network of different types of apps and other technologies that I use. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the ones that I uh, that I use often, uh, pretty much daily at this point, is a uh, CRM called Contactually. Okay. Um, it, I I think it was originally invented primarily to focus on real estate brokers and the type of transactions and business that they generate, mm-hmm. because if you think about what who their competition is and how they go about doing it, um, you know, out of sight, out of mind type of stuff. So the yeah. relationship management component of their business is actually very similar to mine. And so it's imperative that you sort of have ways to automatically reach out to your clients and have no, systems in to. place. So what I liked about Contactually is you, you go through and you sort of input all your data, mm-hmm. all your contacts. In my, in my particular circumstances, I think I had 2,100 contacts when I first started with this. Yeah. And then it forces you to go through categorizing people. Uh, in the system itself, they use buckets. Mm-hmm. And, and based upon whatever bucket you place the person into, it automatically generates reminders based on your parameters. Mm. So for with my, my current client base... I want to at least speak with them or touch base with them once a month.
0: Okay. Um, so you call – well, I'm sure it's probably a longer list now.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, you know it's definitely a, a large list, but that's that's one of the reasons why I needed Amy Ingram yeah. to help me with the scheduling. So every day when I log in – this happens every morning – I go to my dashboard, and it will have 10 follow-up items. Mm-hmm. You said you wanted to speak with client X every 30 days. It's been 29 days since you spoke with them. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of logging all that information real time because the intent, I guess, is I don't use it this way because of uh, compliance reasons mm-hmm. within uh, my current employer. But if you were, let's say you had your own company, let's say here, uh, Nerds That Care. Mm-hmm. You have loaded all your information and what have you. Every email transaction or uh, interaction, I should say, that you have. Yeah. If you have a phone call and you're using it, you log the notes about that. Mm-hmm. So as long as you, the information that's going in is accurate, yeah. then it starts to play into the uh, the, the parameters that you set out. Absolutely. And it's, it's It's very proactive. I've actually recommended it to a number of people, and they've said to me, on multiple occasions has changed their lives in the yeah, way that absolutely. how they how they is how they it built maintain.
0: specifically for your industry or just any industry
1: i think it's really for any industry mm-hmm. um like as i said before it, it i think it originally uh emanated in the real estate world okay um they i did see recently because i i interact sometimes with the ceo that they are starting to put like overlays that are let's say focus on financial uh planning or financial advisory types of firms um, but it really could—it really could be industry agnostic. It doesn't yeah. really matter. Any any business uh, that is generally driven on the relationships, mm-hmm. it it could be a good tool for.
0: Mm, I like that. That's crazy that you're doing that. So now, and you have a very unique—I um, don't want to say position, but title and what you do. And it's funny because I was reading that uh, the article that you shared today, actually, with the prenups. Yeah. And I was like. I could definitely see that, you know, <laughs> it, and and part of the reason why I say that is you know there's more millionaires made now than there ever have been before. Correct. You know, Bitcoin exploded. How many people you know immediately became a millionaire on a ten dollar, or twenty dollar investment? Yeah, it's you true. Know. So,
1: so you know, my my focal point and just to. Sort of give a little bit of background or what have you for those who, who don't know me. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming most of the people that are going to listen that I'm uh, passing this around to do in fact know who I am. But, <laughs> uh, but you know my my background. I uh, I went to law school. I graduated and actually started uh, as an attorney. My first job out of law school, I worked for the Nassau County District Attorney's Office. So okay. not the most traditional path to wealth management or uh, financial <laughs> planning. Uh, but I spent a, a decent amount of time in the DA's office uh, right out of school, and then. Ultimately, left there with a few other former DAs. We started our own law practice and did that for about, I want to say, seven years. Okay. Um, towards the end of my legal practice, my my main focus was wor- more on trust and estates, estate uh, mm-hmm. planning, asset protection, business succession planning. Yeah. And this was around 2007. An opportunity kind of was presented to me about you know leaving the practice of law and working within the confines of a bank. Mm-hmm. And I really never had considered that before. I didn't really understand what the the banking industry was like or, or how I could sort of fit within those uh, parameters in that, in that particular juncture. So ultimately, I did take that position. I started with uh, Chase back in uh, 2007. Mm-hmm. And the, the way I, I describe the story is I, I joined there in May of 07. My son was born five days later in June of 07. Oh, and wow. then in July of 07, we moved from uh, Bayside, uh, Queens, to Plainview, Long Island. Yeah, and in nice. August, uh, the market crashed. So perfect timing to be transitioning into a brand new career and of course uh, had a prolonged recession for about three plus years mm-hmm. subsequent to that. It really didn't start to make a shift uh, to the positive until 2010 but you know what in retrospect, I sort of tongue in cheek say it was a good. Experience, having Before, gone yeah, through that, yeah, you got it because, over with already. Yeah, you know, you went through it. You, you know, looking back now, a, a little more than a decade after the fact, we all survived. Yeah, uh, you know, we understand it. Puts People things think in that the world's
0: just going to explode. Yes, like, oh my God, you <laughs> know, the market's down, everything's, the world's going to explode. We're going to have to go back to using wheelbarrows and 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 uh, like different farm tools and right. we're have to grow. Like, no, that's not going to happen. No. You know what? While you're living through it, I
1: can understand it because I remember very, very vividly that it almost seemed like every Sunday evening we were having this all hands on deck conference call nationwide, internationally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it did feel like the the market was in a free fall and, you know, standard institutions that we had all become accustomed to were folding their, mm-hmm. folding their cards and going bankrupt and Lehman Brothers then, yep, uh, yep. you know. And so you didn't really know what where the next uh, shoe was gonna fall. Mm-hmm. So it definitely provided a panic type situation. but what i what I learned from that experience and what I sort of pl- play upon today is exactly what you said that if we, we could make it through that, sort of the second, most devastating correction, I don't want to call it a depression because it wasn't, but the mm-hmm. Great Recession subsequent to the 20s, 1920s and yeah. 30s. You know, We're definitely going to be in situations where I'm not going to suggest that that's going to recur anytime soon. Um, but at least knowing that we survived that, we hopefully have gotten stronger from that. Mm-hmm. And now we're at a place now where hopefully we learn from some of those mistakes. Um, and then you, and you just move on. So to your point, I would say the decade that I've spent or a little more than a decade in financial services, what it's done for me is really try to get to the core of mm-hmm. what what is keeping people up at night. Yeah. You know, what are you concerned about? What are the types of things that – Sort of when you lay your head on the pillow at night, you know, you're staring at the ceiling saying, Oh, I, I hope this doesn't happen, or I don't, I, you know, I, I don't want that to occur, or whatever mm-hmm. those case may you be. You got to be ready for everything, though. You got to be ready, and, and can you anticipate everything? The answer is no, of mm-hmm. course not. But what can we do now to sort of put yourself in a position that if that were to occur again, I'm protected? Yeah. And so that's for me was that aha moment mm-hmm. where I said, Okay, if I go through and do planning. Can I plan for every occurrence that's going to happen? No, mm-hmm. but at least I can anticipate certain things, and if they were to occur again, maybe it wouldn't be as detrimental.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's definitely uh, it's definitely super important. And and I mean, you gave me an interesting s- statistic, and I believe I've heard it before, where you know what is it like ninety percent of Americans can't come up with a thousand dollars right yeah. now. Yeah, which, which is, is staggering. Yeah, um, for sure, it's definitely uh, it's. The fact that there's no money laying around like that, yeah. you know, just God forbid you need a thousand bucks. right? Or, you know, some people could probably liquidate and get it pretty quickly, sure. but it's still, you know, hey, do you, like, if you get, if you don't have a thousand dollars, how much do you actually have? Right. Are you living on pennies? Like, yeah. are you living paycheck to paycheck? How how far out of your means? The one thing I see all the time is, you know, people living outside their, their means. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you Doing? We have to take
1: responsibility for some of that, though, right? Because at the end of the day, and, I, and I'm as guilty as this as anybody else, mm-hmm. you know, we have, as, as a society have made it very easy to get things that we may want or believe that we need at that particular time period. Yeah, right? nobody needs a new car. R- not really. As long as it's running and it gets you from point A to point B, right? So how did that transpire? What, what actually happened? And I go back to, like, my grandparents' days where mm-hmm. if you didn't have the cash – to pay for whatever it was yeah you didn't get it absolutely so now we have credit cards and we have uh you know digital currencies mm-hmm. and we have ways to transact yeah, you without... got your magic
0: numbers yeah that, that some credit union gives you that, correct
1: that says hey can you get this this person's a good risk so just the mere, mere fact that you have the availability of debt mm-hmm. does that necessarily mean that you should use it no and that's part of the challenge right because it's this mentality as a society, quite frankly, where mm. we say, okay, I need this or want this now. Mm-hmm. And I'll
0: worry about whether or not I can afford it later. <laughs> That's the craziest thing. That and the fact that um, – crap, what was I going to say? It was about the credit unions. Oh, that – like you get this, you get your magic number yeah. that qualifies you for some X amount of dollar amount. Yes. And then it's like – you know, here, here's your number. You can, you know, if oh, if you default, okay, you lose more on that number. Right. But it's like how, like, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like, you don't know what's going to happen at any point. Yeah. You know, how do you justify, you know, oh, here's a $20,000 item or here's a $100,000 item. You know, yeah, here you go. Like, I'll just pay us every month. Well, that's
1: know. it. You just hit the nail on the head. Everybody's so focused on, can I afford this month to month? And they're using that as the basis to determine whether or not they actually should move forward. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we do in my practice, and I I may have talked to you about this the first time we got together, Mm -hmm. but – when I when I use this terminology and I and I've heard it bandied about a lot about business succession planning, you know what does that actually mean? I mean, it's a fancy way of saying, "Hey, listen, you've been in business for twenty, thirty, forty years, whatever the case may be." And I, it sounds like you you sort of uh, like these statistics. So I'll give you one that. Sort yeah, of yeah, resonates yeah, I love statistics. So currently, right now, there's about six million small to medium sized businesses in the United States. Okay. Okay. So nationwide, wherever the case may be. Of those six million, two thirds, four million are owned by baby boomers. So that's pretty staggering, right? We know the baby. What percentage was it? It's uh, it's two thirds. So basically, sixty-six percent. Yeah, the most. Sixty-six percent. The vast majority of those businesses are currently owned by baby boomers. Mm -hmm. If you look at the way that the baby boomer generation is spread out over the next ten years, the youngest of the baby boomers that will qualify will Mm -hmm. turn seventy. So that equates essentially to almost $10 trillion of wealth Mm -hmm. that's going to pass over the next 10 years.
0: Yeah, that's crazy.
1: So when I talk about business succession planning, what I'm really talking about is, hey, business owner, you've spent your lifetime developing, deepening these relationships that have correlated into a very successful business, Mm -hmm. and ultimately – At some point, you're going to want to do something with that, right? That's one of your largest assets. If we look at business owners in general, 80% of their wealth is tied up in that company. Mm -hmm. So at some point, they're going to want to access that, right? And and I have this discussion often. I'll come in contact with a business owner. I'll speak to them a little bit about, hey, why are you deciding at this juncture you want to sell? Mm -hmm. And it's for a multitude of different reasons. More often than not, I hear the recurring theme is, I'm kind of tired, I'm just done. Mm-hmm. I want out. Now, the market may or may not be the proper uh, yeah. position at that particular juncture, but you have to accommodate them and say, okay, well, this is what it is. What do you think your company's worth? Mm-hmm. Routinely, I'm, gonna, I'm getting the same number, $10 million. That's phenomenal. That's great. What if I come back and I tell you that based on our analysis, the market is only going to pay you $7 million? So what what does that mean that's the old adage when somebody says my my house is worth x mm-hmm. your house is worth whatever somebody's willing to pay you.
0: Yes, people that, ne- never understand that. that's the deal. Yep. So
1: but in that in that scenario in this hypothetical that I just described to you what's what's glaringly missing from what they think their company's worth or what the issues are is how much do you need subsequent to when the business is sold to continue to live your lifestyle? Yeah. And most of the time, I would, I would venture to guess the vast majority of people have never gone through any kind of planning to figure that number yeah. out. So, you know, look, we all understand business owners. They have, sometimes they have lifestyle businesses. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they have businesses that would survive them. And so they built it in a, a particular framework so that whether they're the owner or not, the business will continue to flourish. And that's what we're focused on, right? The lifestyle yeah. businesses may be, yeah, the business is worth X. But you've been basically living a lifestyle based on how the business is generating income of about a million dollars a year. Yeah. If you sell your company for $10 Mm -hmm. and you net out whatever the taxes and all the other fees that go along with that, conservatively talking about in this particular juncture, is the investments going to generate enough income for you to continue to live your lifestyle? Yeah. Most people have never gone through that process. Yeah,
0: that's great. Especially if you're spending a million dollars a year. Whew.
1: Yeah, and that's not buying? that uncommon. It's not that uncommon. People live very very luxurious lifestyles, right? That's we just talked crazy. about that. Crazy. <laughs> and that's that's uh pre-tax dollars basically, right? Because yeah, a lot yeah. of that's going through their business and so the country club membership or the boat or the cars yeah, it's and, not all, all, and all, all this stuff. Get, it's is, all going to be written off. Correct. Exactly right. And so it's not going to be treated the same way.
0: Yeah, that's insane. You know, it's It's yeah. It's it's really a mentality of how can you afford it? You know, hey, can I afford it this month and the next month and the next month?
1: So when I sit down with them, I say to them, I go, listen, let's just go through the financial planning process Mm -hmm. because at the end, if if the you think the company's worth ten, the market's telling you it's worth seven, and we do our analysis, and I say to you, as long as you clear five, you're good. Mm -hmm. Seven million dollar offer doesn't look so bad anymore.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: You know. So. That's kind of the way I try to preface it or present it in a way that, that keeps the conversation going. Quite frankly,
0: no, absolutely. The uh, that's a very interesting concept though to think about it like that. It's, I mean, it really does. It everything comes down to the numbers, you know.
1: Well, I want to start with the end in mind, right? Not just sort of this pipe dream, mm-hmm. because what typically happens is if, if the person has their mindset at ten million mm-hmm. and the market is seven, that's too big of a, a, a disconnect. The conversation typically ends. Yeah. So I said, let's let's continue that dialogue. Let's go further because at the end of the day, you're still tired. Yeah. You're Still want out yeah, of this you're company, still, yeah, right? Still done. Uh, and maybe there are things that we can do from our planning stage, the succession aspect of it, to say, okay, if you did these three things, we could get you to that ten million. Mm-hmm. Is that something you're interested in? Most yeah. people are like yes. Okay, this is what it's going to take to implement that. Yep. I need you another couple of years. Oh. I don't know about that. All right. Do you have any children in the business? Where, how else yeah. can we help you with that? Kind
0: Absolutely. Of yeah. Children probably help out a lot. Of, exactly. You know, you could even, you don't even have to sell the whole business. You could sell half of it. You Correct. Know? That's, that's one thing that I see so far overlooked. And that's another thing that I'm constantly talking about lately because I have this podcast now and as yeah. the podcast is growing, people go, like, oh, why are you investing so much time and so much energy into this? You know, I'm like, because you never know what's going to happen. Sure. Like, you know. You didn't think you were going to go into finance at any right. point, you know. That's true. Pe- people tell me all the time, and and the crazy part is, you know, when you come from that old school mentality, it's you know, oh my God, why would you, why would you do a podcast? Why would you put yourself out there? Why would you do this? Or you know, why would you try so hard? Or why would you put all this extra time and money into it if you're not going to get paid for it? You know, yeah. And it was cra- And it doesn't matter how hard you, how hard, how much you explain to them. You know, the value of something like this or the value of or anything like that or, or business. You know, hey, does, just because it's not generating money today doesn't mean it's not going to generate money next year True. or in six months. And you have to build it, you know? I, I look at it
1: this way there's, there's certain things that generate income mm-hmm. and there are other things that generate value. Yes. And sometimes they're the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that, that's okay, but oftentimes they're not. Yeah. So you have to strike that balance right? Because one of the things that you're describing, and, I, and I've and i described this as well, you need to pay your bills, right? Absolutely. You need to continue to live your lifestyle the way you do. But if you have sort of the end in mind as you're building upon this, and we talked a little bit about where the benefit would be of building a brand around a podcast and yep. ha- sort of trying to become sort of that thought leader in a specific space and getting people, it, it, it builds momentum. 100%. And, you know, just in, in the few, how, how long have you been
0: doing the podcast now? Uh, about to hit one year in uh, about thirty days.
1: Okay, so in less than a year, mm-hmm. you've done sixty plus a-
0: episodes. Yes, yeah, yeah probably be closer to seventy. Okay, that, 70-ish, That's uh, impressive. Yeah. I, I Thanks, and man. I think I said
1: this to you when when we first got together. I don't know many millennials that are going out there and doing this kind of effort and energy to build something that they have complete belief in. That's not necessarily generating any income for them, right? Now. Yeah. So my attitude with that kind of
0: stuff is, if it was easy, everybody would do it. That is so true. You know, far too often I see these people that, you know, that all they do is talk. And I'm not trying to bash anybody. Yeah. But, but oh, I'm going to be a millionaire, right? What did you do today to be to help yourself tomorrow? Exactly. You know, what did you what did you give up? You know, I've you know I'm friends with you on Snapchat. You went out Friday. You went out Saturday. You went out Sunday. You worked all day on Monday. You're home watching TV on, on Monday night, home watching TV on Tuesday. Oh, it looks like you might have done something on Wednesday. Right. And Thursday night, you're back out for thirsty Thursdays. It's like you you have put uh, – and who knows? Maybe it's all a facade. But you've put zero effort in getting to whatever goal you're trying to achieve. Yeah. You know, I've lost count on how many Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays I've given up to, to stay home yeah. and turn down friends and just go – you know off the off the radar because i'm like I, people are people are gonna people know where i live all my friends are gonna come harass me they'll right. they know they'll, they'll show up in my house like if i go off the radar you know hey i'm I'm working on stuff you yeah. know and and one of my buddies always breaks my balls because i'm not getting paid yet yeah and that's fine i'm I'm in no rush but he's like oh you know it's well oh, it's working you know you're working on your pocket i'm building something man yeah. you know just because if you built your own house, you know, you're building your own house just because you're not paying – you're not making money on it. You're still building it. Right. And, and during that process, it may
1: just look like a frame. Mm-hmm. You can't actually live there. Yep. Right? So there's a lot of things that are happening during that building process that is not actually having creative value at that particular moment. But if you continue to work at it, you continue to build it, at the end – you have something valuable. Yeah. And that's that's sort of what, what you're describing. I mean, it, it's difficult. I, I've, I'm i a big, voracious reader. Actually, I should say I, I listen to a lot of books. I uh, just started having uh, new books. My wife has corrected me. She's like, that's not actually reading. Uh, okay, I admit that. That's <laughs> reading as far, as far as I'm concerned. As far as I'm concerned, I'm getting the education, yep. I'm getting the information into my head. So I remember uh, listening to uh, Malcolm Gladwell's bo- uh, book
0: called Tipping Point. I don't know if you mm, remember. I just saw it the other day. It's on <laughs> Excellent my list of books book. to read. I would
1: definitely recommend it. But one of the things that he talks about is uh, this 10,000 hours. Yes. And that's essentially what they say about how long somebody has to spend at any one particular activity to become proficient or an expert. Yeah. And if you think about how long that takes, 10,000 hours, you're talking about five years if you were doing 2,000 hours a year. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of time, a lot of time to be focused on it. So the joke I say is most overnight successes take about 10 years. That's true, though
0: it really is. It's uh, what is it? It takes most millionaires ten years to earn a million dollars, and then after that, it's all gravy. Then it's exponential,
1: yeah, right, because they built the system, right? Mm-hmm. They've 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 learned the mistakes. Uh, hopefully, they've learned from them. They've had their their uh, successes and failures during that period of time, but at some point, they get it sort of under control, and and then exponentially, it starts to increase yeah. from that point.
0: The weird part is now with the internet, so you don't need that ten thousand hours anymore. Right. There's people that are just Exploding, you know, a couple hundred hours. Yeah, you know, maybe not even a hundred hours. You know, there's people on the internet that do the most outrageous stuff, and they're multimillionaires in literally less than a year. Yeah, they just took off. Like, it's just inc- it's incredible because you didn't have to build a business. You can do media, media now. It's not this whole elaborate process. Oh, I got to get this done. I got to get this. Done. Yeah, like every. A computer is so easily accessible, you know. It's not like, oh, you know, I need this or I need this, you know. It's so easy to get into most of these industries. Very hard to get very good at them. Yes. And the chance of you just going viral is is very is slim to none. But it's so, the this thing is the easiest barrier to entry anywhere. Yeah. I mean, you want to start a social media company, start an Instagram page. Start right. a Twitter. Start a Facebook page. You could do it all from your phone, and you don't even have to have clients. You just start building, yes. giving out free information. You know, Correct. freemium is the most popular word I've been hearing lately, and <laughs> I'm sure you probably heard freemium. Yeah, of course. For anyone who doesn't know what it is, you know, you get a, you get something free, but if you want the premium level of it, you have to pay for it. Right. So, you know, if you want to take an online course, for example, or whatever it is, or an app on your phone, a lot of these apps will work for free, but then if you want, oh, you want to remove ads. Well, that's the premium version. You right. got to pay for that. Yep. You know.
1: And I don't have a problem with that, by the way, because at certain points, not every app or or every type of technology is going to apply to the masses, right? No. So the people that feel that there is value, Mm -hmm. right, it's not that they're unwilling to pay for it. They just don't know how to actually uh, access it. Yes. So I'm a big fan of that. Let me try this stuff out first. If I like it, if I see value in it, I'm more than willing to become a subscriber. Mm -hmm. Um, But you have to prove that. And I, I do that every single day in my job. Right, So every time I get a new prospective client or we speak about opportunities and, you know, they're coming to me more often than not through a referral source or somebody else that actually has worked with me in the past. And so it's a warm introduction. It's not sort of a cold call. I I, I can't remember the last time I picked up the phone and just called somebody purely cold. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But um, but even the calls that I do make, I did a ton of research about the people, and I, I already understood that there was something that I thought I could bring to the table that would add value to their lives. Mm-hmm. And so in this situation, it's like, okay, well, you get to a point, you recognize that, that there's definitely a working uh, relationship that could be built, but at the end of the day, you still have to prove it, right? Yeah. So you talk about what you can do and what you can't do, and most people are willing to, based on their instinct and, and the relationships that you're able to build, the rapport you're able to build at the very beginning will say, you know what? I like this person. He seems intelligent. I'm willing to give it a try. But that's the beginning of the relationship. That's yeah, not that's the end.
0: Just the, that's just the tip, yeah, you know, the tip oh, of the I iceberg. I open the door. Come on in. Right. now, and you now get it's get like, ready. okay,
1: this is my process. This is how we do it. And I'm very – transparent about that. And that's part of the challenge uh, in my respective industry, because a lot of people are frustrated. Mm -hmm. And that is what I hear very often from the clients that we'll ultimately get. They're very frustrated because they felt that they haven't been able to get the information that they wanted, Mm -hmm. or it's in a fashion or format that they just can't decipher. Mm -hmm. And to a certain degree, they're not wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we work with our clients, the first thing I do is I break everything down, clear cut. This is how we do it. This is our models. This is how we manage the money. This is what the fees are going to be. You'll see them line item. It's not like you have to do a guessing game or yeah, you know have have an engineering degree to figure out how do we come up with the fees. This is it. This is how you you assess it and uh, and move on from there. And then I and then I continue to build upon that level of trust over hopefully multiple generations mm-hmm. of of, uh, of of clients.
0: Yeah, it's uh. It's, yeah, it's, it's, once that door opens, it's now, now the game actually begins. Yeah. You know, hey, I'm going to decide to do business with you. I think that's a lot of, that's another thing that, you know, goes far over overlooked. And, you know, not even that, it's the keeping, it's Mm. the retaining. That's the hardest thing in the world because now it's, we live in a world where you're just bombarded with other people's shit. Yeah. You know, there's no it's way it, cause, and I, I say that on purpose because n- not all of it's good. Like yeah. a lot of time, it's negative. You know, you got to sift through a hundred pounds of garbage yep. to find a diamond. You know, it's, true. it's it's so hard. There's so much competition out there, and then it's you know, why would I give this person money as opposed to this person money? Yeah. You know, why do I? You know, and yes, there's a lot of you buy on emotion, but if you come from a very analytical background, yeah, you know, for me, it's always funny because uh, I get asked and in sales class, it's like, oh, you know, what do you buy on? And I go, I buy based on credentials. Mm. You know, credentials, proven success. You know, if I'm buying something, if I'm spending any money on an object yep. that's more than, like, $20, it's pretty much my threshold. And even $20, I'll look up everything. <laughs> like, the reliability, reviews, what, what are the negative reviews? The first right. thing I go to is the negative reviews. Of course. You know, and then the positive reviews. Okay, you know, if it's got four and a half stars on Amazon, it's probably pretty good, but what do the negative people say? Like, right. did it... Did they rate it negatively because everybody else got five stars and they got – they did one because it just didn't meet their standard? Mm. Or, you know, what are the tech specs? Am I really getting what I'm paying for? Because right. just because it has Samsung on it doesn't mean it's a better TV than, you know, Insignia. Right. It, it's just, you know, it's got that logo on it. So. They spent
1: a lot of money on that marketing. Yeah. Because so they have to recoup it. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so – and I'm a nut job because I'll do this for everything, you know. What's what's the rating? What are the like des- what, what is all of this? What am I actually getting? Yeah. You know, especially and it's not even that large of a package. It's just I buy I, pay, I and it's weird cuz everybody's like, "Oh, you know, you, you got to you know, the guy sold it to you. You got to buy it." I'm like, "No, I don't. If it doesn't perform the exact functions or to my specifications or you know, if it's not meeting the name brand or if it's exceeding the name brand for a cheaper value then yeah I don't care what brand it says as long as it's going to serve its purpose so it's
1: interesting you say it in that way because um, I don't know if I mentioned this to you when we were first together but um uh, half of my practice, I focus primarily on working with business owners, you know, and, and, and their wealth, as I said before, is sort of tied up within their their companies. And, of course, they have outside assets as well. But, but most of it is really about, okay, at some point we want to access that wealth that you've built up over 10, 15, 20 years, whatever the case may be. The other area that I spend a lot of my time, effort, and energy on is working with uh, people that are going through divorces. Okay, and the reason I bring that up at this particular juncture is, and this has happened recently multiple times, I'm getting the sense that just the mere fact, obviously, it's a very emotional situation. Of you know, when somebody gets to the point where they decide, I, I, I don't no longer want to be with this person. Fine. So let's acknowledge that it's very emotionally driven and stuff of that nature. Some of it's financial, mm-hmm. uh, but but for the most part, it's 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 uh, emotional. What I'm noticing is, at least with the people that I've Recently got uh, engaged by is that they feel to a certain degree that not only are they being uh, challenged or, or having a challenge in regard to their former future former spouse, but that the system itself is set up in such a way that they are very, very disenchanted. And they mm-hmm. feel that they can't get any information or every time they call their attorneys and stuff of that nature. And so what I'm hearing is that you know, to have somebody like me, I'm a certified divorce financial analyst, so mm-hmm. I can get into the nitty-gritty and really get a better understanding of – you know, where are the assets and, and how are they uh, characterized so that should you be entitled to fifty percent or you're not gonna be entitled to fifty percent and why? Let's mm-hmm. sort of go through that whole process. But they're so vulnerable at that particular juncture and they really don't feel like there's any anywhere for them. Uh, to turn, mm-hmm. and so when I've got involved in this, it almost brings me back to the days that I was working in the DA's office, <laughs> where you feel like you're on the the side of of right, sort of the the cowboys wearing the white hats, yep. and uh, righteousness and and justice and all this other stuff and ultimately the what i'm hearing from the clients that ultimately sign up with us is like nobody has given us this kind of insight nobody's been willing to speak to us in this in depth about what's transpiring and go through the process the educational mm-hmm. component that they're really lacking and it's because of the way the system is set up right now and it's quite frankly broken oh yeah um, i agree 100%
0: so, and i'm not even married
1: yeah it's tough it's tough and when i look at it it's it's a it's a situation where You know, not everybody – and not every divorce has to necessarily be litigated. There are alternatives out there, and I don't think people are even aware that they exist. Mm -hmm. Uh, I work with a friend of mine who specializes in what they call collaborative divorce. And this is a a, a sort of an alternative dispute resolution Mm -hmm. where both parties say, hey, listen, it it just didn't work out for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't necessarily need to litigate this case. We have children, whatever the case may be. And they agree in advance. If they, it's not for everybody, but if they can agree in advance to go through the collaborative uh, process, they agree not to go to court. Yeah. So that's that's something that resonates very loudly with me because Absolutely. at the end of the day, that's awesome. We need to resolve this. Let's move on with the rest of your lives. Let's do it in the most cost-effective and efficient manner that yeah. we can. Try not to let the children get dragged into this whole process. Yeah, I and think,
0: stuff of I uh, think. I think a lot of the issue is the lawyer themselves yeah and I know it's a touchy topic but you know they get paid on how much they win which I think is utterly fucked up yeah there's no other way to put it you know the fact that you get money based on how much money you win for your client is Garbage. Well, let
1: me let me correct you with that part because okay.
0: that, the, in in the divorce
1: world, that's not actually accurate. Okay, uh, that is that is accurate in other types of yeah, litigation, like yeah. personal injury. Yep. They, they call that uh, a contingency fee. Okay, so depending on how if one you have to win, yeah, and two, depending on how much you win, would ultimately dictate your fee. In regards to the matrimonial space, the attorneys don 't work that way, so they do charge on an hourly fee, yeah, or they drag uh, them out well and that's i, I don't you know't necessarily want to say that anybody's doing that intentionally. Uh, the process itself it's a nice. has a, has a way of, of ultimately <laughs> uh, uh, providing its own timeline, but yes, no doubt about it there the attorneys are somewhat incentivized um, you know, to, to increase their revenue by how long the case takes mm-hmm. and, and they're charging on an hourly basis. So one of the things that's attractive to me and, and at least to some of the other people that I've spoken about is that if you go down this other path, if you, and again, you have to have both parties that are willing to agree to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, some cases just have to be litigated for a multitude of different reasons. But yeah. if you're willing to do this, um, it, it supposedly can save up to one-third the amount of time it would take to actually resolve the mm-hmm. the, uh, the case, and it could cost up to one third less than a traditionally litigated divorce. Mm. So those kinds of things—that's not why you go down that path. I mean, there's there's many different ways why you might want to choose that, but I feel almost uh, you know justified in getting the message out there so that people know that there are alternatives. Yeah. You no, know, absolutely. It doesn't have to just I didn't go to know court. About it. right. That's what I'm saying. So. It's imperative when you hear these types of things. Say, "Well, let me weigh all of my options," mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that we've been doing. Uh, I've been involved in the space now a little over a year. I felt so strongly about making sure that we got this message out there that I recently accepted a position as the director of the National Association of Divorce Professionals okay. in their Suffolk County chapter. Nice. So Some we just question. we just launched it last week. We had thirty new members, all people who are professionals servicing uh, the divorce. Uh, segment, mm-hmm. And uh, it could be a multitude of people. It's myself as a financial advisor. We have collaborative attorneys. We have trust and estates attorneys. We have mm-hmm. uh, traditional litigation attorneys in the divorce. Yeah, it's all... Real estate. All that stuff is really sort of part of that divorce process, right? Because if you have somebody that's married for 10, 15, 20 years, they've accumulated a lot of assets. Yeah. And there has to be a, a sort of a formalized uh, way of, of separating those assets and doing it in the most yeah. proper
0: manner. Now, how much does... Uh, Uh, Going back to the article that you shared before Yeah How much does the prenuptial agreement Like cover Like you know Hey if I have a podcast i go out and get married And we sign a prenup That everything that the podcast is Does earns Whatever it is Is mine You know How does that even work down the road 20, 30 years?
1: So the the answer is it's up for negotiation. Okay.
0: Uh, But uh, typically, if you have
1: assets that are premarital, Mm -hmm. so in a case like this, using yourself as an example, this is something that existed prior to the marriage. If you had it specifically excluded – as becoming a marital asset through a prenuptial agreement. That's one of the ways you can protect yourself. Mm. <clears throat> but let's say you didn't even go down the path of the prenuptial. Because sometimes that's a difficult conversation to be having. Of course. Hey, I love you. Can't it's... wait to spend the rest of my life with you. Oh, by the way, do you mind signing this contract? That yeah, all my stuff is but mine. Like, and...
0: What is it? There's so, what is it? Like, it's over 50% now, I think, of people are divorced. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's
1: about 51%. But um, that, that statistic is somewhat of a misnomer. Because okay. the divorce rates uh, nationally mm-hmm. have actually started to come down? Really?: Yes, which oh, is, look at is, this. Uh, is surprising. SLS, yeah' bringing in the good news. <laughs> I like it. But one area where it's increasing, which is, it may or may not be a surprise to you, is what they refer to as the gray divorce. So that would be anybody who's 50 and over. That statistic has actually increased. So 50 and over. 50 and over. So they call that the gray divorce. That's actually on the rise. Believe it or not And so uh, So
0: younger people Aren't getting divorced It's older people
1: Correct And and there's a couple of reasons Why that's the case The younger people Are actually waiting A little bit longer Before they got married Mm -hmm. Um, And so What you're seeing is They've kind of You know Figured that stuff out And by the time That maybe I think the average age Right now For women to get married Is in their late 20s uh, And men is probably In their early 30s So you've kind of Gone through You've lived your life Maybe you lived it On your own And stuff of that nature You've you've worked some of those Figured some stuff out The reason that the the gray divorce is starting to spike is uh, a couple of different reasons. A lot of them were, hey, let's just stay together until the children are gone. Yeah, Right? And so they did that. Makes sense. uh, The other part is women who have entered the workforce. Mm -hmm. So if you have a husband and wife, uh, traditionally, let's say that the husband was a primary breadwinner, that's not the case anymore. Mm -hmm. So women feel independent financially. And yeah. therefore, they're saying to themselves, "If I'm unhappy, I don't necessarily need to stay in this in this marriage any longer." Um, and so, you're starting to see an uptick with that in the, in the people that are 50 and over getting divorced. Wow, um, that's crazy. So, yeah, but when you put the, the 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 different segments together, it still is on average about 50. percent
0: That's insane. That that's I mean, I, I get, I see it. You know, hey, let's wait till the kids are older, right? Oh, all right, then we'll end it. Okay. What blows my mind is just. You know, if you're not happy, and this is just this is my own personal thought, so who knows? I could just be completely wrong there. But you know, if you're not happy, your kids are going to see that you're not happy. So, at least in my eyes, and granted, yes, I get it. You're you're young, but you get older, and like I like to think that people are choose to learn. Yeah, maybe not as aggressively as some of us, but you know, you're going to figure out, hey. Mom and Dad were unhappy together. That's why they split. Like, and I had a, I still had great parents. Like, right. they didn't love each other any, like, love me any less. It's just now they're separated. You know, and the funny thing about that is, most of the time, at least the
1: the people that I've spoken to that that have been practicing this area a long period of their career, the children know that they're unhappy, mm-hmm. and by prolonging them to stay together, I remember uh, I, I was listening to an uh, informational. Uh, webinar the other day, and the gentleman said, "Yeah, my parents got divorced once I left for college, but they probably should have got divorced ten years before that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so you're not necessarily doing any benefit to the children in that particular they know. circumstance. the The challenge is from the financial component. You mm-hmm. know, if you spend fifteen twenty years together, and you essentially now make this decision that you no longer want to be together, it does have a way of of really setting the clock back financially. Yes, and that's something where people are like, you know what. Cheap and a keeper, keeper. Uh, yeah, that's I've heard the, that. I've definitely the, heard that. Yeah. yeah, I've definitely heard that before. Um, but but we're living much longer, so I think yes. one of those issues is. To your point, they may have said we'll stay until the kids are out of the house or in college or whatever the case may be. And the average mortality rate was probably in the mid-70s. Yeah. Now people are living to 80 and beyond. Yeah. This so – 125 years old. Yeah. I mean it's insane. It's insane. So so knowing that you're going to stay with somebody just for financial reasons where you may have another 20, 30, 40 years left, mm-hmm. I think people come to that realization and say I, it's it, it's not worth it
0: to me. Yeah. The uh- – I think that – and part of me thinks that, you know, that's why the prenuptial agreement – and I'm not saying, like, it's important. Yeah. But, like, if you – you know, now more than ever, and a lot of – and I shouldn't say a lot of millennials are lazy. I think a lot of them are misunderstood, and I have my own thoughts and opinions on millennials. But, you know, now it's so easy for them to start a business. Yeah. Like, you – Back in the day, oh, I had to go to a bank. I had to find yes. somebody to like, give me money to start my idea. And here's my idea. Now it's just like, hey, I want to create an app that you know I can just find hot chicks to yeah. to swipe right on. Like, let me put it on Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> I mean, there's there's money everywhere. Yeah. People, oh, you know, I don't really know how to make money. I go, all you need to do is ask. Right. There are so many people out there that are willing to open up their checkbooks as long as you like, kind of care. Yes. Like it's absurd how yeah. many people are just willing to th- literally throw money at you, yeah, because you might have an idea that could bring them millions and you millions. But and like- it's
1: exciting, and it's exciting. We talked, to, we started the uh, conversation about technology, right? Of course. So having access to these new things, you know, at somebody my generation and knowing that you might be at the ground level of the let's say the next Amazon or mm-hmm. or Facebook or whatever the case may be, it's exciting. It sort of keeps us young, you know, Absolutely. At, at heart if if not in in age
0: but it's it's so easy to start you know you got to protect that yeah and and you know hey you know there is conversations you but if you're not ha- if you're not comfortable having that conversation with somebody you know it's so simple it's like hey look the divorce rates 50% who knows what's going to happen right. in 20 years like are, are you going to be happy with me in 20 years like if it, if you're not going to be happy with me in 20 years that's fine but like i worked all this time and effort and energy in what I created, yeah. and if that provides uh, for us for a great family, I have no problem sharing that with you, but God forbid something happens, I still want to be able to make sure that I have XYZ thing and you still have ABC thing. Right. And then, you know, whatever. We go our separate ways. The, the crazy thing is, you know, these couples that split and there's so much rage and, yeah. and, yes, there is emotion driven in and stuff like this, but, you know... When I, and I had the conversation the other day, you know, everybody thinks they're entitled to something. Yeah. You know, you're not entitled to anything. Just how much time do you want to waste going to court? Right. You know, how much time did your kid just suffer sitting at home or grandma's house or whatever it is because you needed to go scr- do a screaming match somewhere yeah. to try to fight for, you know, ten twenty thousand dollars 20000 not because you don't want to work because you've been given something your whole life. You're not entitled to that, yeah. at least in my opinion. Yeah, you're entitled to child support if you got to raise a child. But, like... What are you going back and forth for? How much time are you going to waste? And if you got nothing to lose,
1: and that's part of the challenge, right? I mean, I I always like to do the economic analysis, right? What are you actually fighting for? Mm-hmm. Because if you are, you willing to spend twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars in legal fees to get something worth ten? It doesn't make any sense. So yeah. let's 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 Just do here, the analysis. Yeah, let's figure out an equitable way of doing that. And I think that's sort of. Uh, one of the one of the things that's coming out of this collaborative-type mentality, which is like, you know what? People are like, yeah, it didn't work. It didn't mm-hmm. work for us. For and, and this is not about casting blame. No. It just didn't work, and we need to move on. But the law is of, of such that marriage is a contract. And the only this way that we can, we can resolve it is by going through the process that allows us to unwind that. Yeah.
0: So, it is It is the way it is. Yeah. I feel like, and, and I don't know, this is just my own personal opinion, but I feel like now with this generation too, less people are going to get married. Yes. Which, you know, I could have a wedding. Who cares if I have a wedding? as long as I don't sign that damn piece of paper that binds me to somebody for forever and I have to sign these legal agreements and this, that, and the other thing. Right. You know, great. If we have a wedding, we have a wedding still going to be with you. I'm not just going to go out and do whatever I want, but it makes the cleanup, at least for as far as I know from people that I know that this has happened to, makes the cleanup at the end of it a whole lot easier. Yeah,
1: the the, the challenge with that is right now there are actually financial incentives to become legally married.
0: I know. Which is one of
1: the reasons why, you know, same-sex marriages were pushed out there as well. Not, not that I'm saying that mm-hmm. uh, they shouldn't have that union, but one of the main motivating factors, at least from my perspective, was that married couples were being treated Unfairly, in the sense of of getting too many benefits, yes. just for the mere fact of being married, and so mm-hmm. ultimately there were workarounds and stuff of that nature. But you know, the it's fact it's not that, the title of being yeah, married, yeah, and it, and so if if you you shouldn't get married for financial reasons, right? I mean, there should be an to emotional, some degree. D- yeah, to <laughs> some degree, but but there were in fact benefits, yes. of being married, yes, uh, legally married, I should say. And uh, and financial benefits, and mm-hmm. that and they still exist today. Yeah. Um, I think
0: – I mean I personally think they'll be removed for the most part to the point where, you know, hey, if I'm living with somebody, you know, oh, there's, we're in a, a – what is it? A domestic – A domestic partnership? Yeah, a yeah, domestic sure. partnership. Yeah, we're in a domestic partnership. And then they're gone? Hey, right. you know, they're done. XYZ person left, right. you know. <laughs> Time to reset. You know, let me do another one with someone yep, else. Yep. Hey, yeah. can you just sign right here? We're done with the domestic partnership. I don't need your health right. insurance. You don't need my health insurance. Right. See you later. Have a good time. Exactly. Like, whatever it is. It's true. It's uh, Yeah, it's just a it's crazy world we live in, man. For sure. All right, brother. I know you've got to get out yeah, of here. Yeah, how are we doing? I don't know. Our... Oh, oh, good. We're, yeah. We're good, man. All How right. do people find you? How do they find out about you? Um, I wouldn't give a phone number, but you know, if you want to, yeah, yeah, no, whatever's.
1: no, no problem. Uh, I, I I'm on a couple of different uh, social media platforms. I actually have a, a Facebook page. You can look me up, Salvatore Alessia, uh, Morgan uh, Morgan Stanley, and and we have a Facebook business page. LinkedIn's probably my my uh, go-to place as far as connecting with people. Uh, so you could definitely follow, follow uh, find me on LinkedIn, and. Um, you know, if, you, if people are willing to, to reach out and give me a call, if they have questions, I'm happy to answer any questions. If there's an opportunity where we could potentially work together, uh, my number is 631-755-8894. You're a brave man. Uh, yeah, I'm okay, to, <laughs> I'm okay to have that. We're based in Melville. But, you know, I have clients, quite frankly, all over the country. And And mm, um, so, again… Honing in on the technology thing It doesn't really matter Where you are Yes uh, And people could be listening To this anywhere
0: Oh uh, All around the world Yeah Hopefully this I think hopefully. I've hit I think every continent so far Is that right? Yeah I'm pretty okay. stoked about that I hit them all the other day So I, I'm very impressed Morgan Stanley actually
1: uh, Approved Skype recently so we can actually do some skyping really uh, i'm not exactly sure how it works yet but uh we'll see we'll see oh, the rules uh, of uh big brother yeah right exactly exactly but it's, it's all good it's it's to make sure that people are uh, being treated properly and and there's uh and there's compliance components of that as well so it's all good all
0: right brother well thanks for being on man thank you until next time all right Alrighty, guys. As always, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Brutally Honest Podcast. I'm your host, Harrison Barron. If you enjoyed the show, hit that subscribe button. Please, it helps me out so much. And uh, if you really enjoy it, share it out. Tell a friend. Especially when it comes to learning some seriously good knowledge. I've had some pretty rock-solid people on lately. Actually, all my people have been rock-solid. What am I saying? But share that knowledge with people. You're going to learn things that you never knew before. Don't be greedy. Pass it on. That is the biggest message. That's why I do this podcast. Yes, is it is it a little bit greedy for me to learn? Of course, but I want my goal is to pass it on to you guys because I have these amazing conversations with people and I want other people to hear them. That's why I do it. Really appreciate it. And if you really enjoy it, let me know. Leave a comment, you know, give it a rating on whatever platform you use. It's tremendous. I, I do genuinely appreciate that. As always, check out the website, brutallyhonestpodcast.com. You can sign up there for your weekly newsletters, all that good stuff. I'm constantly bringing you guys some good stuff. And on top of that, I've been dumping a ton of time and effort into the website. So you just visiting makes my day because I can see, like, when people visit. I'm like, oh, all my hard work is actually getting acknowledged. You have no idea. And, uh, yeah, so brutallyhonestpodcast.com. Sponsors, as always, Ron Reed from Reed Resumes. Um, Ron owns the company, but they are writing the top tier resumes. Ron has a CPRW certified professional resume writer, and he's killing it. Resumes are a great way to take a, a, a basically a snapshot of what you've done professionally in your life to that point. and who knows you may not need it, but it's not a bad thing to have and you hold on to hey, what have, what did I accomplish in 2017? What did I accomplish in 2018? You know it's been five, ten years since I did a resume. It's probably not a bad idea to just take a look at it. Even just a, a nice recap of what you've done. You don't want your little accomplishments or even big accomplishments to go forgotten because work gets in the way. And with a good and well-written resume, first impressions are everything. This is going to be your foot in the door for an opportunity that you may have not had prior. Definitely go check them out. Readresumes.com. R-E-E-D. Resumes.com to be exact. And um, he's actually on the website too. And last but not least, huge thank you to the Nerds That Care, your third-party outsourced IT company. If your employees are not working as efficiently as they should be in the office, maybe it's time to get them a new computer. Maybe they're wasting a lot of time on issues that could be resolved in just a couple minutes if you had an outsourced IT company. And it's a fraction of the cost of hiring somebody in-house. You're dealing with a team of people that are going to work in your best interest to not only get you the right solutions to make your company more successful, but to get you help sooner than later so your employees aren't wasting valuable time in the office, which makes you make more money in theory. So, huge thank you to Nerds That Care. Huge thank you to ReadResumes.com. Appreciate the hell out of you guys. And I think I have four podcasts this week, as of right now, scheduled, and a lot more to go. I'm like deep into February already, if not March. So, get ready. Trying to bring you guys some of the best of the best. I think you guys are going to love it. Stay tuned. Peace.